0: This is T.J. Morris, and you're listening to ET Radio for American Communications Online tonight with Janet Carol Lesson, our well-known co-host in Maui, Hawaii with Aquarian Radio. We're syndicating tonight with American Communications Online, T.J. Morris ET Radio, and Aquarian Radio. And Janet Carol Lesson, on Thursdays, we have a women's talk, and she's found a very special lady named Agnes Andrews, and I'll let her say her name later so I don't mess it up, Uh, but Janet uh, is very good at finding people that we like to align with in our ascension age, so let me get her on here and uh, we'll talk. So thank you everybody for listening around the world, Uh, we are universal, and uh, we have our regular radio shows on YouTube, Spreaker, Stitcher, the big one, iTunes, FM Radio, and many, many other places. So thank you everyone, especially all our Facebook friends. We have thousands and uh, listening to us, so thank you very much. If you can hear me and you want to call in, 347- 945-7207, and we will take questions after the first hour. Okay, Janet Carol Lesson, can you hear me now? Uh,
1: I can hear you. Hi. Great. I'm going to tell listeners a little bit about Agnes, and I, I want um, Agnes to correct me. Tones Andrews is the hyphenated last name. I have a um, bio and a bunch of information about Agnes and pictures on AquarianRadio.com, and I think TJ will be putting it on her websites as well. And uh, tonight we're going to talk to Agnes about her ETs that she is in contact with. She's an ET contactee since a child. She's seen UFOs and IFOs, identifiable flying objects. Uh, She's a dweller on several portals. And she's going to talk about the UFO trench of of BC, British Columbia. She's a Reiki master since 1992. I guess it was in Jerusalem she receives her certification. She's a metaphysician master. And she receives her initiation on Mount Shasta and she's had many visions and beyond-the-body experiences. She was taken to Source and the Goddess on several occasions. She's a connector to the angelic and demic realms, many of which she has seen and received messages from. She's a fire priestess, which means she has access to the spiritual hierarchy, including the 13 spirit grandmothers of time, who are 12th dimensional ancient beings from many different stars and planets. She's an Earth representative of one grandmother since 2004 and carries one of the grandmother's shields, the lizard shield. And this shield represents pre consciousness, the goddess, genetic memories, reptilian human crossbreeding, and crystal intelligence. So we're going to be talking about all kinds of things angelics and divas, the ascension body, what this means, and how to create, and ETs that have visited. And she's got some YouTube videos. All of this is on AquarianRadio.com. And then TJ will be telling what websites that she's putting it up on. Uh, back to you, TJ. What would you like to say before we bring on Agnes? I'd like you to introduce
0: yourself a little bit. And just uh, because this is going up for everybody, so they'll know a little bit about you. And uh, I'm calling from Gulf Breeze, Florida. And uh you're calling from Maui, Hawaii, but give them a little bit of background on you real quick since we're recording here live, please. Okay. And we'll go on to Agnes. Yes,
1: I'm, I'm uh, TJ's uh, partner in crime her co-host for, since 2012 on many, 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 many shows. Uh, we uh, are documenting the 21st century uh, human life here on the planet. And uh, I work with uh, my husband, Dr. Sasha Lesson, here in Maui, Hawaii, we have a a counseling practice, although it's somewhat limited, so um, because we're kind of semi-retired, but we do see clients still. And uh, I'm a radio host with Tim on Revolution Radio, as long as well as with Teresa J. Morris on Thursdays. And an author, we've got about ten books done, and another I don't know five or six books in the process. TJ and I are going to work on a book. We got to get to it. It's already February. That's our 2019. (laughs) We've got to get it done. And uh, I have a bunch of cats. I have a cat colony, and um, they keep coming, and we keep feeding them. So, anybody, to make a donation. uh, Soul Foundation. Um, I don't have that sign up yet. Anyway, just uh, contact me at Aquarian Radio Gmail because. We can feed them, but we can't see them. We don't have enough money for the vet, and they're hard to get there because they're uh, half wild. The kitties, we have a cat colony. It's registered with Hawaii, but we can use donations to help bring a vet up here. We'd like to have a vet come up and look them all over once in a while, give them their shots and stuff. But Anyway, so far we've had 22 years here in the island of Maui, Hawaii, and that's about all I want to say about myself. Back to you, TJ.
0: All right, well, that was pretty thorough. <laughs> okay, that I was pretty thorough. All,
2: today. Right. All, All right, right. That well,
0: that's, that, that was just something you needed to talk about. about. All, All right, right. Let's, let's get, to, get Agnes. to Agnes. Go ahead, Agnes.
3: Greetings, everyone. I'm really thrilled to be here today and to talk about my experiences as a planetary citizen and talk about what I feel a duty to share so fire away do you have some questions for me you talked earlier about that you'd like to talk about some ETs that I'm in contact with and and IFOs identifiable identifiable oh. flying objects that I have encountered and so on and so forth yeah I'd love to ask questions you want to go
1: back and forth TJ we can take turns you I ask one the you one that work you Can you hear me?
0: Okay, so I would uh, like to hear her talk, and then we could ask questions after, if it's okay. But I would, I'd like to hear her from her for the first time, and then. uh how you, ladies?
1: I'm going to mute, so you two do uh, the dance, and I'm I'm going to listen for a few minutes. Okay, so Agnes, we like to start with the the guest, and you're the guest. telling uh, Tell us your story. Tell us about yourself, and go back to. Your earliest memories especially when it involves spirituality consciousness um becoming aware that you're more than a 3d personality that you had some kind of contact with uh higher beings or extraterrestrials or whatever it was for you and kind of give us an overview for about 15 minutes and then we'll
3: ask you some questions all right okay well um I was watching a sunset in rural British Columbia when I was about 13, 14 years old. And I, while I was watching that sunset, I was overcome by an experience. It felt like a light had dawned in my psyche and I saw my soul purpose at age 14. And I knew that I was to be an activator of humanity and a spiritual teacher of humanity. So I put that kind of in in the background of my my life, if you wish, and uh, knew that at some point in my life, I would get back to that. I originally thought that it meant that I should be a missionary, but I observed my aunt who was a missionary in the Belgian Congo in those days in the 60s, and I didn't like what they were doing is trying to convince people about a certain religion. And when I was 16 years old, I left the religion that I was brought up in, which was Mennonite Brethren. And um, I began to seek other ways of expressing what I was seeing and what I was beginning to know. So the journey went on for about 10, 15, 20 years, where I had children and so forth, and and went through two marriages. And suddenly I'm experiencing... Someone asking me, What do you think about reincarnation? And that really got me going on my spiritual journey again. I was about 37 years old at the time. So I researched. Reincarnation, And before I knew it, I had accessed a spiritual healing modality, which is known as Reiki. It was rediscovered in the late 1800s, and it's a hands-on healing technique. And uh, I thought immediately when I heard about it that I needed to pursue this healing art, which I did. And it was kind of interesting because I was at that point living with my husband in a blue-collar town, military town. He was a a military base commander, fighter pilot type. But I found a Reiki master teacher, and while she was teaching me the classes, I had an out-of-body and... During that session of Out of Body, I went back to the Pleiades star system and I was walking around in this beautiful place with these Corinthian type columns all around me and this beautiful, felt like a big pool with this golden light emanating from it and there were all kinds of amazing beings walking around and I knew that I'd been there before I recognized later that this was the star of Alcyone. It was where the golden light has come from, and it's actually the center of our universe in our galaxy, which we access from planet Earth. And um, so I I discovered that I was Pleiadian in my origins. And from then on, the visions became stronger and stronger, and I began to work with Reiki very seriously. Can I ask you a question about that? Because I want yeah. to flesh that
1: out a little bit. So you were just in a Reiki thing and you, session, and you ended up doing this out of body and going back and discovering all this it stuff. Was, what was going on with this Reiki that was so powerful that? Because uh, I haven't heard anybody getting that type of insights, but maybe that's more common than I, I know. But is that common in Reiki that you get? It's almost like you were hypnotized, regressed. What was going on there? Yeah,
3: I. I was, I've was i been visionary since a child, and I came to into this uh-huh. life as a wise elder, which has been read in my fingerprints many years ago. So Reiki, it was a catalyst. It was during the classes when the Reiki master was doing the initiations, and it was during those initiations that were very powerful for me that I went back into my cellular memory and went out of my body to experience as well. So it was very powerful for me, but it it was like a like a little kick in the uh, what what's a good term for that a little little kick underneath me to to for me to remember who I was. Wow, so it started started off yeah, it started off on a pretty pretty interesting journey, and not long after that, I was doing Reiki constantly. I had clients that just came um, just kind of out of the blue and. I was very, very busy facilitating Reiki hands-on healing. And uh, also during that time, I had many appearances of Jesus standing beside my Reiki table. And at one point, uh, about half a year after I started doing energy work, uh, I had a very powerful experience where I knew somebody was trying to contact me. So I laid down on my meditation room, and in my meditation room, and suddenly there was a hand on top of my head, and I saw Jesus, who is also known as Sananda, and he, he's an amazing avatar, as I'm sure you all know. And he facilitated a, a like an ascension process with me at that time. And I was in kind of in my early 40s at that time, and my whole body, I saw my body splitting apart, and there was this golden pillar of light that went right through the center of my body, and it was kind of like I was a split pea, you know, there was a left side and a right side. And um, Jesus said, you're, you're my beloved daughter in whom I'm well pleased, which sounds very biblical, but what uh-huh. I took that to mean was, was that I was following in, in his footsteps. That I was uh, being a teacher and being anointed into being a teacher of spirituality and so forth.
1: So that was Now, a what did cool he experience. look like? Can you describe what uh, the manifestation that of uh, Jesus? What
3: that? What did he look like as he appeared to you? Uh, absolutely, there was a picture hanging in my bedroom as a child of Jesus. And he pretty much looked like that. He was wearing a long white robe, and his he had brown hair to the shoulders, and it, it looked like he had this crown of gold all around the, the top of his head, his crown chakra. And um, I think it's very interesting because I lived in Israel uh, for two years, and I taught Reiki there, and one of my students would Keep seeing Jesus, but with a tefilim on his forehead. That's the um, little Jewish gadget that uh, uh, individuals wear, which is supposed to give them a more of a uh, metaphysical connection to their meditations and oh, reading. okay. Yeah. So, so I think he appears. Feel pretty pretty sure that he appears to people as how they would recognize them, or how they need to see them. Okay, that makes sense,
1: because I had a past life recollection with uh, Jesus, and he had, um, like, sandy-colored hair. It wasn't blonde. It wasn't brown. It was, like, a mixture. It had streaks of different, like, yellow streak and a red streak, and, a, you know, different streaks uh-huh. around his hair. Um, rain, rain Rainbow-colored hair. Incredible yeah well it was, it was like somebody had gone to an expensive, expensive um you know beauty parlor and he'd pull the little pieces through and the little pieces <laughs> get colored different colors <laughs> it's all within the hair range of color but it was it was a very beautiful um and he had but the eyes the eyes were like piercing mm. and they would draw you mm. in and see right yes. for you right yeah, so that was my recollection t j have you ever had any visions of uh
0: Jesus or Sananda Oh sure most of my life But they change with age And the last time was here On a spacecraft traveling Through remember I told you to me it was like Jesus and then I've seen Tom Turn to Jesus with gold light come down On him when my husband was Alive so I, uh, I Always felt guided by the Jesus or Sananda or as My children call him Yeshua. So there's many names and some People believe the You know how their intuitive self sees that which represents that particular uh, concept. And culture Mm has changed because you know in Africa they don't they have a black Jesus, and Jews have a if they believe in in Jesus have a Jewish Jesus, and then uh, the uh, Mormon Church I was in for years from May twelve seventy two have a they I think that. Head of the church said he was blonde hair and blue eyes. <laughs> I think it depends on who sees what. And it's, uh, we need to talk about that later on because it's our concepts and filters and culture and what we know as words. And I'm all about that because when we break it down, it's all particles and waves. So, you know, it depends on our level. But yeah, when I was a kid, I probably saw the same picture, one close to what uh, Agnes saw because, you know, I thought he had wore a white robe and. Had long hair and there's a picture in my living room Of him like that sitting on a beach So I know what you're talking about but As long as we know what we're talking About you know we know so When you talk to people about God or Jesus Or Sananda or Yeshua or Gabriel Whoever angels you know we Sort of have an idea so that's what You have to do is get to the bottom line Is Are we talking you know what level Of education and a lot of people may not Even know what we're talking about if you think About it but we're speaking English so but yeah, Janet, I've had plenty of those sightings. But the last time I saw him, he had a hair like uh, Obama. Remember, I told you it was gray and black and short to the hair. Didn't speak, just oh. intuitively spoke to me. But he was on a spacecraft with some tall people and short people. Remember when they picked me up in Gulf Breeze? Yeah. And that's that was mm. my Jesus. I didn't know how. Uh, to me, he was Jesus. So you know, teach his own. <laughs> but back to you, ladies. Great. Keep going. Go ahead. I'll okay. move back.
1: But thanks for asking. Okay. Go ahead. Okay. Back to you, Agnes. So you were having, <laughs> I forgot why we got on that, but go back to what you were saying about okay. Jesus. E-T's. I'm sorry. I still the ball. but
3: <laughs> – You want to go back to ETs? <laughs> Well, back to where you were, because I just lost okay. uh,
1: where you were in your story. So I hope you were tracking yourself. I should be tracking you better. Sorry, but go ahead.
3: <laughs> That's all right. I, I think we're done with Jesus. we, we okay. he, He's an amazing avatar, and, you know, he came here to teach us how to live, and, and that was really important uh, mission that he had. And, um, yeah, so um, – I could talk about Moses, or I could talk about Merton and Jason, who were two ETs that visited me about the end of 1997. Uh, they were pretty Well, let's go back cozy. to your
1: child. Was there anything in your childhood? Usually what we find, and I don't want to lead the witness, but we find that there are things in, that start in your childhood that lead to this where you are now, you know, uh, a lot mm-hmm. of critical incidences. Happened early on. Let's uh, dwell a little bit more on yes. your early years. So, what else
3: happened in your early sure. years? Well, going back to the age of about five, six, I was taken aboard a ship, a very small circular spaceship. And uh, they were the Zeta reticuli that are also known as the graves. And they took me upon the ship and they laid me down on a massage type table. And I was fed some green junk. And uh, I fell asleep, and I don't know exactly what happened. I was very young at the time, but my sisters and I used to sleep out under the stars in the summer. So this is when when I was um, invited upon the, the ship. And I've always been a very curious person. I've been an explorer and wanted to explore forever. And uh, my, I would always tell my mother things, and then I'd say, oh, that's not right. I'm going to go and explore this over in the forest or something like that. And, um, anyway, I, I don't remember a lot about that other than I feel they have placed a device on me and it's in my nostrils and they've been able to follow me, uh, upon occasion. And, um, most recently, um, they were in a spaceship above my place here in the Selkirk Mountains in British Columbia, West Kootenays. And they, I asked them what they were doing and they said they were observing me and, um, the next day I had a Reiki class that I was uh, facilitating and lo and behold they were there and my students saw them as well and uh, they were observing us doing Reiki and shortly after that um they also came into a Reiki session that I was doing and they were they, I saw them having hands on on to the person that we were uh, facilitating for so so these are the the greys that uh, we we've, many people know about, and when I first encountered them after that age six time frame uh, was when I'd moved to the UFO trench of British Columbia. Uh, by the way, we have a center to the universe in British Columbia, and it's been confirmed by the Tibetan monks who were sent up by a Rinpoche in San Francisco, and it's um, about six hours a little bit west and north of where I'm living now. I've been there several times. so. we we do have a lot of activity here in this province and a lot of uh, there's a large ley line that runs up which uh, is the North Thompson River Valley and it pools in Jasper Alberta where there's a portal so when I first moved to that area I opened up my place as a retreat center and uh, was shortly after I'd moved there when I was in, in a meditation and there were several grays standing around my meditation um, bed, and um, uh, I just kind of saw them and, and um, was observing them, and then they said to me, we too are God's children. And I, I thought that was really interesting because I know there's, several books written about them as being, you know, the bad guys, you know, they're, they're abducting individuals and, and so on. And perhaps this is some part of their group, but these particular individuals seem to be very um, much open and willing to observe a human being who was, um, Already you know well advanced in my clairvoyant clairaudient and clairsentient abilities, and I felt that they were uh, also around me at times when I was highly emotional, and I, I zoned in on the concept of them wanting to feel more. I believe that they have lost their their emotional body and and this is what they're attempting to uh, regain.
1: Right, I've heard that as well that they um they lost it now, some people think they're future selves. I think that they that's both I think there's you know the future comes back to the past, but they're still extraterrestrials um what do you think about that t j they? you've interacted with a lot of grays do they seem to have um, limited ability to for emotions or well, what are your thoughts?
0: Um, I've had different uh well, you know, in-government, out-of-government kind of situations in 3D form. But when I was in uh, Flagstaff area, they visited me. It uh, <laughs> sounds funny, but when I'd go and be by myself in the bathroom after driving a big truck or something, they'd come in and just stare at me. I, was, I felt very uh, odd, uh, different faces. So, you know, I've seen them with the bigger eyes and the smaller bodies and uh I felt like they were very curious, but remember when I worked with Tom, and Tom and I were working off Planet, it, uh, the way that Tom described it to me personally, you know, we talked about, he didn't want to talk about God or Jesus, but he uh, talked about the Greys, and, you know, he said they didn't really have, it's like Agnes said, they, they don't really have emotions, but remember my training is the fact that we worked with, Uh, white nordics are people that look like us from the high you know high area they were lighter skin in space and they uh tom explained it that they were smaller and when he went uh, to their planet the planet had been blown away so they didn't have their original place in space so we had taken them on to work with us so there's that level in my mind then uh Coming down here and learning about different people that have been abducted, there's that level. But when Tom and I were doing research for President Reagan, uh, the fact was that we found out they would put them back. Uh, So what it was, the way that I understood it was, from the observer here in this human form in this container, is the fact that some do, because we're all experiments at one level or another down here, of the 22 you know, the DNA, and that they are still researching for their group. But I can't say, because I've heard so many different stories, I personally haven't uh, gotten the concrete evidence that I would say is a finding of fact. So I listened to everybody's stories, but being around them, uh, they were very curious. And uh, when I had to do some training uh, with them, was to interpret, but they didn't talk to me. They used their ESP. So to me, right. if I had to say, I would say that they're much more advanced than we are and that they lost their place in space, and so they signed on with the people that found them and worked with all the others together, being that they're far more advanced. So that's why I think some people believe they're us in the future, those that follow time travel. So There's so many stories, but the main one in the 3D are nuts and bolts people, like Mufine people will say they're from Zeta Reticuli, uh, Betty and Barney Hill-type grays. So, you know, when we're talking about them, we need to talk about the grays, the middle, the ones that look like the Japanese, the small, tiny ones, three to five feet, the ones that fly the ships. You know, so you can't just say, hi, I'm a human, or hi, I'm a gray. So that's what I've learned, but... I'll mute now. So back to you, Janet. Okay.
1: Okay. <laughs> we're,
3: we're all in keys, you know.
1: Okay. Back to you, Agnes. Continue uh, with what comes to your
3: mind about your okay. experiences. I- I just wanted to add one thing to about the T's, uh, the Greys or Zeta reticuli. When I was promoting a book in uh, in the area, I was talking about my experiences in the Middle East, and you know, I've been in contact with Moses and Mother Mary of the period, and and so on and so forth. And anyway, when I was presenting this lecture, I I, I kept. Feeling there was a woman in the audience who is also an, an ET contactee and, and by the from the Grays. So after the session, when we were all kind of uh, just chatting, I I asked her if she was in contact with ETs, and she kind of looked at me funny, and and then I said, like, I, I think you are. Can you talk about it? And then she she said that she wasn't contacted with the Grays, the E.T. Zeta reticuli, and that she had. And that they had been doing crossings with uh human genes and ET genes. And she had been teaching the young ones, the young hybrids, she'd been teaching them nursery rhymes and singing with them in her garden that summer. So guess what? There are hybrids. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. I thought that was a, a, a really interesting <laughs> aspect to that. So I had to add that story. <clears throat> but um, one one of the most amazing experiences was um, a, a a huge, huge spaceship that was over my retreat in the mountains, the Central Mountains. Uh, this is a place where I was uh, just after I came back from two years in Israel, and it was 1997. And I woke up at 1:30 at night, and there was this huge, huge circular, silverish-looking thing out there that i could see through my bay window i thought at first it was the moon but then realized it was much larger than the moon i watched it for about 10-15 minutes when i woke up my husband who was a retired fighter pilot and he woke up as i woke him up and sat up in bed and started explaining how that ship was powered which was really really interesting and i i knew at that moment that the, the um Captain and co-captain had been communicating with him in his dream state, and um, so so that was really fascinating to hear him talk about that. So and he was channeling, walked, you're yeah.
1: saying? You're Pardon? saying that
3: he was channeling? Was he channeling, I, or I was, was
1: he in contact with them as he was speaking? Or he, he, was, he was in contact
3: with them in his dream state. He was asleep. Oh, interesting. Yeah, beside uh-huh. me. Yeah. Yeah. But But I woke him up. And when he sat up in bed, he immediately started explaining how the spaceship was powered without even me telling him (laughs) there's a spaceship out there. (laughs) Oh, wow. That's cool. So that was, yeah, that was really fascinating. And uh, the next day, it was back at our place again. It it was around uh, traveling across Canada for 10 days in late 1997. And I asked to be connected to the beings on board. And lo and behold, there were two individuals that appeared in my living room. And they told me that they were Merton and Jason. And Merton said he was from Sirius. And Jason said he was from Orion. And I asked them who they were. And they said that they were a part of a council made up of beings from the confederations of the star systems of light. And they also said there's a group of scientists on board from the Galactic Council. And I asked them what they were doing over Canada. And they told me that they were doing a environmental cleansing over Canada. And I asked, why Canada, of course? And they said, and this was in the late 90s, that Canadians were deemed the most open-minded people on planet Earth and that we were receiving this cleansing so that more light could flow into this part of the planet. Wow, that's cool.
1: So do you find that to be true? Are Canadians more open-minded?
3: I I think so. I think so. Uh, I've traveled extensively across Canada with doing book tours and spoken on television and radio and so on. And, you know, I've I've been inspect I've been invited to speak on our national radio station CBC Radio about ETs and so on and our one of our former defense ministers Paul Hellier, was Hellier. the defense mm-hmm. minister Hellyer yes and he also he had an exopolitics um group and he talked openly about ETs and the contact and and of course, my husband confessed at the time. You know, being a fighter pilot, they had chased ETs uh, all the time. You know, they were always coming into the airspace over uh, Eastern Canada and the United States, and so on, and Bermuda especially as well, where he was often uh, working in liaison with the American fighter pilot group. And uh, he also worked at the Pentagon, so he he knew he knew stuff. You know, he he was he knew mm-hmm. about. ETs being about and and spaceships flying into our airspace. So, is he able so, yeah, to talk I, to you I,
1: about that? Is he able to have conversations or does he have to be quiet?
3: He on one of our first dates, he hinted about extraterrestrial life in the universe <laughs> and, <laughs> and we're out canoeing. And, and and he said to me this was in the early 80s before i'd really opened up to my visionary and other capabilities and and he said do you think there's et life out there and i think i denied it you know at the time but you i did <laughs> I knew at the time he knew something you know and and I, it was always like he planted a seed and and then when we observed this spaceship for we didn't see it every day in those 10 days because sometimes we had cloud cover. But um, at the end of that session, we had a huge storm in the mountains. It was just like blowing, blowing for 24 hours. And after that, it was just, you know, I can sense and see energy and I could just see how much clearer our whole atmosphere was. And it seemed to extend for a great distance. So it, it was remarkable how, how there was a, an energy shift. So, so that that was pretty wow. exciting to to experience that and to have them and and guess what? What Jason? <laughs> Jason, the astronaut from uh, Orion, said that I knew him from before, in Greece, and I oh, put two wow. and two together and I said, "You're Jason of the Argonauts." Oh, do you remember that? That Grecian yeah, story so that we all uh-huh, think is probably uh-huh. a myth. <laughs> so he's, he's so like you're
1: saying he dog. was he was an extraterrestrial, but he had a human yes. life, um, and then he's out there from Orion. Well, that's what I get too. So we're not it's, limited exactly. to incarnating here.
3: Yes. Yeah. He was Jason of the Argonauts, which, and they were they were also astronauts at the time, right? And scientists oh, Argonaut many many. That's close
1: the, the the word Argonaut
3: astronaut. Very close. Argonaut astronaut, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I thought that was really really lovely that he'd come back and said hello.
1: So he knew you in a past life?
3: Yes, in Greece.
1: Do you think you were lovers?
3: Did he really No. Know no. you? <laughs> Nope. No, okay. I I feel that I was a shepherd boy at that time in Greece. That that was my feeling um, of it. And I I was outdoors, you know, all the time and out under the stars and and you know that was a great uh, kind of an occupation to be connected to to extraterrestrials. They were they've been around forever. You know, we're we've yeah. been here for Three hundred million years in this in this latest <laughs> phase, and since the Permian era, when the continents split apart, and uh, so so we've uh, we've experienced a lot. <clears throat>
1: oh wow, well, T.J. Don't want to leave you out of the conversation. What are your thoughts, ideas, feedbacks, questions? Um, on which part? <laughs> Anything, <laughs> whatever these comes to gentlemen. mind. Be spontaneous. Um,
0: I don't know. I I think everybody that's ever heard anything about Greek mythology loves Jason and the Argonauts. But uh you know, uh <laughs> when we meet people it's romantic and we have a thing always in the Akashic field, especially with visionaries and mystics, oracles, psychics, ages, seers, shaman, and you know, I've had friends and trained people in the tarot and stuff. So we get gigged all the time about coming up with people with you know, in mythology and folk life and all that, because it's so romantic and so programmed in our in our you know inheritance with uh, words. So uh, we get kidded that way. But you know, anything's possible. Anything is possible of whatever reminds us. But you know, I I had a a life back where I thought uh, I've had documentation with people about Sarah. And uh, catharinosis and all of that stuff back in the day. And uh, I think we all are romantic when it comes to our mythologies. And, you know, that was a beautiful one. So who knows when we meet people if that's uh, a name that sticks. And mine's Teresa, the uh, Ray Sa, you know, so T-H-E-Z, Ray R-E, and Sa. So when I was broke down in Chicago, an Egyptian, uh, what do they call those people that – Speak uh, Egyptian. <laughs> the <laughs> the Egyptian speaking people. <laughs> <laughs> they broke down Egyptology and told me that uh, Tara saw. Uh, but back then I was Thera, in, of the Isle of Thera in Greece. So I, I believe that, uh, you know, even back then I was doing the kind of work I do now as a visionary. And, but, uh, you know, I've, I've just sort of accepted now. But I like the idea that she meets people and has memories. I think it's part of us, so I don't know where we're going, uh, but you keep going back to ET stuff, but uh, you know, also, I like the fact that her husband was a pilot, and we're doing a lot with pilots and then tomorrow night on Friday with the men, so maybe, uh, is your husband still alive, Agnes? Can he come on the show
2: yeah.
0: Friday?
3: I don't think can. that he would He would uh, speak about it. Talk? I, no. I can ask him, no, but- he- Okay. He's been Ken retired now.
0: Night. Yeah. Ken uh, worked at NASA and we have a lot of he's a pilot and uh my husband was and I did a little you know, small things and helicopters and stuff, but nothing no big deal in and out of country, mostly Europe. But uh it's fun to talk about, so just let him know. Tonight's sort of a girl night, but just that you mentioning some men and it's romantic, you know, if we think we've got some kind of past life with people. But you said you were a, a young boy then. So I don't know
3: where we want to go I, I've with this. I've had again. other lives in Greece. I've had other yeah. lives in Greece as well. I I have uh I was told in a meditation at Mount Shasta that in the higher dimensions I'm known as Ishtar. And Ishtar is also known as Anana, Aphrodite and Ashtart and Ashtarte. And uh-huh. uh, and so so obviously I was, you know, putzing around Greece in that lifetime, which is it's about seven, eight, nine thousand years ago. And I've had right. flashes of it and I write about it in my new book, The Goddess Lives. And um I I felt it was a real Uh, interesting thing for me to discover because I know at that time that we did a lot of experimentation with various aspects of spirituality. There was a lot of sexual exploration. There was a lot of um, DNA exchanging going on and so on and so forth. And um, I, I've discovered through, uh, being a, having a connection with Zeus, who's also known as Anu, who's a Niberian god or director uh, on that planet. And he was my great-grandfather or something, you know, in the past of that nature, either grandfather yeah, or great-grandfather. Yeah, Anu
1: was, um, anu was uh, your, father's, your father's father. So let's see how it Yeah, it's Anu, and then it was um, Enlil, and then... And I have to I have to look at my books, but I know that uh, Anu came down and made love with his granddaughter uh, Inanna in a sacred tantric ritual. There's a whole, it's all written up oh. in ancient Sumerian, and there's a big translation. You can look it up. But, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. Because they, uh, if you go back, they were the Anunnaki, and I identify right. with Nimma as a, yes. I don't know if it's a, Incarnation, or just an aspect, or a fractal. We're trying to figure this out because a lot of us have, like, the fractals of the gods and goddesses that run through our. our yeah, I don't know if it's it DNA In, memory or soul, soul memory mother. or. was my mother. I am I'm, Ninma. So I'm your mother. No, Ninma was your auntie. Yeah, that was her brother who was your father, and but Ninma had sex. They had children by both Enki and Anlo because they weren't monogamous. They were right. – and, of course, you know, you were having sex with your grandfather. So they, their sexuality was different than human yeah. sexuality because yeah. they wanted to keep the gene pool clear and, right. uh, you know, pure,
3: yeah. But I was a hybrid. I'm a hybrid. I'm a hybrid Niburian or Anunnaki or or reptilian hybrid, if you wish, because that's another aspect of the Anunnaki, right? And um, so there was this experimentation going on with humans that were from um, other stars like Sirius and the Pleiades, and apparently we were often chosen to to be uh, in sexual relationships to produce a hybrid. And part of this, I felt, was to create a higher intelligent human. That was my feeling of it when I saw a lot yeah, of this
1: well, life. Let, let me add to that. So, yeah. you know,
3: we've so, all gone through these different, right.
1: Uh, let me add to that, and then I'll pass the stick back to you. So we have an invisible talking stick, by the way. Um, <laughs> so the hybrid program—it, you know—before we thought it was all like the Sumerian story from the Sitchin that it was uh, just this one way. But the the hybrid experiments on the Earth involves combining, you know, different DNA of all kinds of uh, species, right? Just like our scientists yeah. are doing now with our DNA experiments, and so mm-hmm. it's very possible they. They wanted to create what's called the meta- metagene, which is a um it's like a high, higher functioning DNA structure that can do be you know very spiritual conscious evolved that have lots of abilities that are outside of normal five d reality um mm-hmm. and they called the metagene, which was the result of all these uh, genetic experimentation with different species so that's why humans are so valuable this. It ended up in the human form. So you could be a spiritual hybrid, and you could be a genetic hybrid, and you could be both. Uh, so it's not, it's not one-dimensional. So I had a friend, Cynthia Crawford, and she had her DNA analy- analyzed by the government because she was one of the government hybrid programs. And she was telling me, oh, I have a certain percentage that's uh, gray, a certain percentage that's reptilian, a certain percentage that's human, a certain percentage that's whatever, you know, uh, so she was part of the human hybrid program of the mother of the 20th century. She was born in the late, mid to late 40s, right? So we have many uh, generations of hybrid experiments going back mm-hmm. in hundreds of thousands, if not millions of years. But we're, you know, we're only finding out about it now. So yours was part Anunnaki, but you're saying, I don't, I, what were you saying the other species was? I forgot what you just said.
3: Uh, Uh, A a Pleiadian and Reptilian or Anunnaki. And I have also have a very strong connection to Venus, and I feel like there's some Venetian uh, DNA as well within my... I've not had my DNA read, but I've been taken out of body to Venus on a few occasions and had this... Amazing explosion of light and feeling of home when I've been there as well. So we're we're all ET. Well, if you do ancestry.
1: dot com or twenty three andMe, they're not going to tell you about your extraterrestrial DNA. But TJ, your daughter, because of her medical procedure she's going through with her cancer, didn't they um, talk to you about her DNA that wasn't one hundred percent humorous Talked yeah. to you
0: yeah we're that's all positive we're all positive, but the oldest in the world, but yeah we have extra extra genes or metagenes, if you want to say that, and they study the T cells t thirteen t seventeen but yeah, we have a lot of Nordics that study the human genome and you know all of that, so it's very much right now with the biologicals, and that's why we had uh our pastor on here because he's one of the biology. I had a gentleman. Well, what did, what did they my say my
1: about your? What did they say what about uh, your other, DNA?
0: Other. Yeah, it's not white, black, brown, yellow, green, blue, indigo, violet. It's other. They uh, most of the people are from Germany, like they say, Africa and Germany. Most people, uh, you know, when they do their blood types and all of that, we all stem from, uh, you know, the European theater, so to speak. But at this point, uh, when you get down to people in today's time and they do the uh, studies <laughs> and break everything down, you know, they get it all, they get it very, very minute and they look at everything. And so she's very uniquely different. So I see your daughter. And your daughter's, and your daughter's a hybrid. Your well, daughter's a
1: hybrid, all,
0: right? Everyone's hybrid. Everyone on the planet okay. is a hybrid.
3: But I, I we, we all well. know this.
0: We all know this and talk about it openly in certain behind closed doors. Your blood line is uh, blood is the most sacred, uh, uh, sound, uh, physical and Powerful biological
1: elixir.
0: They keep it very secret in in the
1: hospitals. It's the uh, it's very, very... Yeah, they're not, the not going to tell inside. you uh, that you have alien DNA well, they, if you get 23 in there or, or ancestry. They're, just, they're not going to well, tell you. Well, they'll break
0: it down. They know. We, we already have synthetic DNA and all of that, but that's a whole other level of existence if we go that, you know, scientifically. But it's okay. Let's keep moving on the DNA. We can talk about Gilgamesh <laughs> and Ishtar. I've been called Ishtar and Anana and Zeus. And, you know, I, I told Tom, my fa- grandfather and my father was Zeus, and, you know, my name's Thurmond, and Thor's protection. So there's all kind of signs all the way down in our family and genealogy that we're all related. If we go all the way back up, we're all one and the same anyway. At some point, we talk about God right. and all fractals or all pieces or sparks. So it's just how we relate to the sound of the words when we're talking to each other, you know. So it's going to be what it's going to be, and every time you talk to a different human, you get another aspect, and maybe it rings true for yourself. So... You know, it's fun to talk about uh, how all this works together and how Agnes is spiritual before she met her husband and then how she's changed over the years. Agnes, are you, I'm 67, are you close to my age by chance?
1: I'll be
3: Many 79, earthies. or 79, I'll be seventy. I'll be 71 which on, on <laughs> oh, the 13th of February. <laughs> you sure <sharing> uh, now. <laughs> which one? But I'm, I'm going backwards to? now.
1: What's your yeah. birthday again, Agnes?
3: With birth, on the birthday?
1: 13th,
3: 13th of February. Oh,
1: mm-hmm. well, I just turned oh 65 on, on the 6th. Yeah, yesterday. Uh-huh.
3: Yeah.
1: yeah. Happy uh, birthday. We're to say... Thank you. Happy birthday! So we're baby boomers. Yay! <laughs> yes, yes.
3: And and you know, I was born um, to this wonderful Mennonite brother and mother, and I was born on a Friday the thirteenth. And the nurses in the hospital warned her about this child, and uh, they said, "Watch out for her. She's going to be very different. She might be a challenge." <laughs> so <laughs> I, I, you know that 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 was. So amazing that these nurses said this to my mother because whenever I told her stuff, you know, had a vision or saw somebody who I was in a past life and I'd tell her about it, she'd just kinda of look at me and say, Uh-huh.
2: uh-huh.
3: <laughs> and, you know, she was a very religious Mennonite woman, but she just you know, she gave me the freedom to express and be and become who who I was to become, if you wish.
2: Well, let me tell you that. At least she wasn't there minded.
3: Let me tell you,
2: you've
0: mentioned two words: Mennonite and Friday the thirteenth. My daughter was born on Friday the thirteenth, August thirteenth, and my grandmother and her mother, or her great—let's see—her sister, Aunt Mary, where they were Mennonites. So folks mm-hmm. need to understand that's a certain Christian group that belongs to the Anabaptist denomination, is named for Minno mm-hmm. Simon of Friesland, or
2: that's, you know, right. Friesland
0: yeah, so uh, when they came over to America, uh, some of my people were Anabaptist, and so they still <laughs> dress a little differently because I know that my cousins I played with, they were Mennonites, had, still had the longer dresses, and they some of them still wear the little caps. So tell us about, were you, were you a child Mennonite? Did you have to wear longer dresses? And they couldn't play, like drop the handkerchief at the family uh, get-togethers we had, The Mennonites out of my family were really different. We were more modern in today's time. (laughs) So just what were you like? Were you a Mennonite child?
3: uh, I was a Mennonite child, but I was a Mennonite brethren child. And the Mennonite brethren are the most uh, liberal of all the Mennonite branches. They believe in educating their girls, and they believe in music and culture. So – you know it was we were encouraged to live a simple life to be pacifists uh there were those you know traditional no-nos no drinking dancing or sex or no makeup but but we pretty much could you know wear what we wanted to and so on and so forth and and again music was and education was encouraged uh, a lot of my ancestors were PhDs. My my son is a PhD. Several of my uncles as well. So so, it was it was a fairly liberal upbringing, Mennonite upbringing. But what I took from it was was Jesus. I saw him when I was a little kid in Sunday school already, you know. And and the music, the classical music, which is was you know just. Fills my my soul and my heart. It it, it just ex, you know creates an expansion within me that is really phenomenal. So so I appreciate that part of it. But I always knew I wasn't going to be following up with a baptism into this uh, church well, or religion. Well, what
0: part of the country of Anabaptism are? Because the Russian Revolution, it says that it was formed in 1860, the uh, Mennonite Brethren Church. Uh, Russian mm-hmm. Mennonites in 1860, but uh, 1860. what do you, what do you think? Yeah, the med, the brethren Mennonite brethren What do you uh, remember about them? Were your family Mennonites, and you just were born into that faith?
3: Yeah. Yes, yes, my, my my ancestors were Russian Mennonites. Uh, German and Dutch originally and had lived in Russia since the late 1700s. So my father and mother were both born in Russia and and escaped at uh, just after the uh, First World War and came to Canada. Wow. And they, they came to Western Canada. Yeah. So yeah, left everything behind. It it was very traumatic, and and I was always trying to dig out stories from my father, and he he refused to talk about Russia, and because they were traumatized, right? Many many were martyred and sent to Siberia to camps and so forth. So it it there was a lot of um, yeah, a lot of trauma. But um, you know we can release all this trauma, and um, I can tell you a little story about releasing this like trauma that you know I would inherited from my generations. Mm-hmm. And do um, you want to hear that story? Sure, yeah. I think that's no, appropriate. Well, this, yes, go it, for it. This was about uh, 25 years ago, and um, there. Some of the members of my mother's side, my matrilineal lineage, were calling forth a family gathering because somebody had shown up from Eastern Europe who is now living in Germany, and um, she had done a genealogy of our matrilineal family tree, and one of my cousins was bringing her to British Columbia, and there was this huge family gathering, and and uh, I was able to attend and uh, it was a lovely time of reconnecting with these people who, who I kind of, kind of, uh, you know, I, I kind of put them out there, you know, cause I knew I wasn't going to follow that religion. So I, I didn't keep in touch with my mother's side of the family or my side or father's side of the family, but it felt really important to go to this reunion and about mid, Midnight or so, or shortly before that, one of my cousins said, let's all gather around the grand piano and let's sing the songs of our faith. And that did it. I said to myself, I'm out of here. <laughs> but the little voice inside said, stay. So I stayed. And and everybody, there were 55. 60 people, everybody started singing these old songs that I'd heard as a child and were in my psyche from the past. And and as we were singing and the piano was playing, I processed all that genetic trauma. And suddenly I, I felt this huge piece just kind of move out of my emotional field and into my mental field, spiritual field, and out. It was just like somebody had just swept the blanket through me and away went this piece. And man, did I feel a lot lighter after that. And this was already after I had, you know, cleared my karma and, and anything that I knew had held me back in this life that I'd come here to clear. So, so that was pretty phenomenal. I encourage everybody to stick with these little situations that come up because an experience like that to release your, you know, the root chakra genetic stuff that we've inherited. And one of my spiritual teachers was Oshina Fastwolf. She was a Native American teacher, and uh, I studied with her in Washington, D.C. and in California. And uh, she told us that we inherit four generations of past stuff. Uh, others say more than that. I've heard seven, but, um yeah. So, yeah, there's
1: a theory that it stays in our cells, and so you can have, we had a client, my husband and I do therapy, and we had a client once that went into a full primal about, it wasn't her, but somebody in her cellular memories, uh, wasn't a direct ancestor, but somehow she got the uh, trauma going into Hitler's, you know, gas chambers, and so she was in full catharsis as if it was her own. Trauma that happened. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, so that yeah. You, can, you can get it, you don't know where it's coming from, and I don't know the formula. I haven't studied that level, but you know, it's just there, and um, it could be a past life. We didn't know, but um, there's all these memories that come. But yes, you can clear. Uh, Marianne Williamson did a clearing ceremony here in Maui, out of in Maui, Hawaii. And she came, this was a number of years ago, or late 90s, early part of the 21st century. And she had people of each um, like different races face each other and, you know, hold their hands facing each other, looking into each other's eyes. And we did this incredible forgiveness ceremony of all the separation we felt because of our, you know, our race. And uh, all the, the you know the wars because of the racial factor and conquering and being conquered, and uh, it, there was not a dry root, or dry eye in the house. I mean, it was just the most amazing, uh, you know, chilling thing that was done. So, yeah, therapy happens uh, on a, a lot of levels. Powerful work. Yes. So Forgiveness is always. So you can do it and it goes into the morphogenic field and it, it creates a healing for the whole planet. If you forgive within your own heart or, you know, you didn't have to have a dialogue and go, you did this and you did that. You just, uh, you did a clearing. That was wonderful. What about you, TJ? Mm-hmm. You ever experienced anything like that? Like what? Forgiveness. Just a uh, spontaneous forgiveness because of things like that. The separation you felt over, some kind of issue or some kind of story. We all tell ourselves stories. You know, we judge people and project and reject. And oh, like yeah, we can go through afraid. our whole lives with rejection. Yeah, but yeah. Well, with, agnesty, with forgiveness.
0: Well, with religions teaching us, you know, do unto others. And forgiveness is number one, as above, so below. But we're not supposed to judge and all of that. Yeah, all that's ingrained. Basically, from back in the day, at least in this reality of, you know, the great church and then the schism and then the 16th century, where it's all the Anabaptists came from. But most of us raised after that, if we weren't raised over in the old country as Muslims, stemmed from Catholic and the break off from the Catholic, the great church. But, you know, here in today's time in America, we separated church and state, whether it was good or bad. Believers you know, we, we're not supposed to judge, really. So I believe that uh, what happened with the metaphysicians, which I claim to be, we always said that Solomon and then Jesus were the greatest metaphysicians. We followed that. And, you know, it's up to each individual, their own path. So I've learned just to love and be loved. But uh, forgiveness is part of loving people. A lot of people in today's time say, They will forgive, but they'll never forget. (laughs) So if it's in your DNA or not, your memory codes, or if you're really DNA enhanced or hybrids or all the stuff we speak of today, you know, it's just a modern day's time. But, uh, you know, the pagans were not necessarily in the Catholic Church. So I haven't done a lot of the history of uh, the pagan rites, you know, but uh, I have tried to study the books. Of uh, what history has written But maybe uh, Agnes could talk about her historical Knowledge on uh, Some of the things that were Anabaptist Or before the Catholic Church You know we we were talking Acadian There for a little while And Anu and you know From the heavens came uh, I don't know if they believed in Forgiveness until Jesus Did they uh, in your Reality uh, Agnes Forgiveness oh, was oh, that a thing The Mennonites definitely believed in forgiveness. Yes. And what about before them, when you were talking Anunnaki and Anu, or was that Janet or both of y'all really? uh, Do you think in the Akkadian, back in the oldest fired clay tablets, the Sumerian, Ishtar, and uh, I guess Thereseustra, do you think they've had a forgiveness or was it?
1: Well, I think they created the religions. If we trace back the history of the creation of religions, which... Originally, they were an attempt to control the population because there were so many uh, human beings and so few Anunnaki. So they had to control the population, so they introduced the concept of religion. So these principles that we get, like the Ten Commandments, those are all Anunnaki. So, yeah, they do talk, you know, the Bible's Anunnaki. Um, So that is, we're getting it from the Bible. But did they practice it? You know, they're just like humans. You know what humans practice it, which humans don't, so it's very complicated. But that is the origin of, of that concept, and of course, Christ and the Messiah that was their origin, their concept as well. Um, anyway, that's my two cents. Uh, okay, let's um, where do we want to go sure. now? But there's a lot of things <laughs> that we can cover, uh, with what you know. So, you mentioned that you met Moses and Mary can you tell us yeah. how did you meet them and what was your
3: what was that like and what was your story with them i met moses in the middle east in jerusalem i was uh, just cleaning up lunch dishes one day when i felt this powerful force trying to Uh, contact me and I didn't know what was going on I thought I was getting sick but I thought okay I'm going to go lie down on my couch and circle myself with white light and see what happens and uh, the day before this event I should say I had been in Jericho and reading something about um, a passage from Numbers and that passage uh, kind of stuck with me and I And I thought, I remember thinking something about it that I've been involved with this event that was mentioned in numbers. And um, anyway, back to the couch in Jerusalem. And uh, suddenly there's this fiery being standing beside my couch and where I was lying. And he was wearing this big, you know, white long robe with a belt swinging around the middle and had this wild gray hair. And I knew immediately that it was Moses. And um he he kinda yelled at me, you know, and um I I felt immediately that we'd known each other, we'd had a past life connection. And um he told me that at the time that that I had uh been uh, what's the word, um looking for i had challenged him back in the day about uh who could be part of the levi clan which was the priestly clan and Mm -hmm. i believe that i told him like look anybody that um has evolved to any kind of state of consciousness should be able to be a priest and he didn't like that at all so he he created a earthquake and he killed me along with a lot of other people. We were dissenters, and um, so he killed me. And it, it's interesting because um, this is recorded in the Bible, by the way, as well. And uh, so so we had this past life connection. Where he, wasn't, he wasn't a real wasn't a very nice guy. And I discussed this with a good friend of mine here in the Kootenays who is a Kabbalistic rabbi. And he said, Oh yeah. He said, you know, he's, or Moses was, yeah. Yeah. He, he was not cool a lot of the time, you know? <laughs> so anyway, um, so that was my Moses experience and, and what, boy was he powerful, but you know, the whole Middle East is a huge portal right to the stars. It's an opening right. to the stars. And, uh, so there were a lot of beings coming and going there and, um, So that was my Moses experience, and Mother Mary, she came to me when I was living in northern Israel about a stone's throw away from an ancient temple to Aphrodite, who's also known as Ishtar and Anana, who I'm a reincarnation of, and uh, it was about 1.30 at night, and um, I awoke to this being of light standing beside me and she was wearing a blue robe and she had the, the white scarf over her head and she was just shining in all her glory of golden white light and and she was standing there with her hands what I call in the prayer position and I intuitively have taught my, my Reiki students to hold their hands that way when they're uh, doing absent healing and um, she was standing there with her hands in that prayer position, and she was directing energy to my pelvis to the pelvic area where i'd had pain since childbirth. It was this pain that was had been there for at this point for twenty some years, and uh, she was simply directing energy at that pelvic area and um, i i was really shocked at this apparition and i just like oh my goodness it was just like an this explosion of light just it, it kind of got me by surprise and and i was very shocked and sat up in bed and of course then she she disappeared or i didn't see her anymore but she came again two more times when i lived in jerusalem and one time, I was facilitating a uh, healing session for a student, and she wanted to clear her uh, karma of her Jewish heritage, which there were um, a lot of pieces that didn't fit for her anymore. And uh, we were doing this session, and this I saw an apparition a being come through the window and into my Reiki healing room. And... Uh, it was in the form of a woman and uh, standing beside the table. And I sensed it was Mother Mary again. And, and there was this golden light coming from this being. And she channeled it through me. It came through my crown chakra and through my body, out through my hands to my student. And she shook a little bit. And she said, oh, my God, I felt that. And now there's something shifting in me. And moments later, this ball of golden light kind of after it'd gone through her it bounced back into me and into my uterus where I'd had a prolapse of uterus since uh, gosh I don't know where probably since childbirth and at that moment it would felt like a zipper was being pulled up inside of me from my uterus area and I knew in those moments that that prolapsed uterus had been readjusted and replaced to where it should be. And truly, truly, this is what happened. Because when I got back to Canada, I had uh, various, um, uh, I had some scans and um, mammograms, and what are the other full body scans called? Can't remember right now. But um, it confirmed that everything was in good shape down there. So so another time when Mother Mary appeared, I asked her why she was appearing to me. And because I thought, you know, this this isn't just for me. It was also for my student and and for another client at another time. And she told me that she was here and focusing on healing women's issues. And that was one of her um, karmic or whatever have you, one of her Uh, occupations at this time, um, one of those, um, yes, that she was helping with in this dimension. So... She's appeared recently at Summer Solstice just last year. And as we were walking, I had a a group, we were walking our labyrinth. We have a huge labyrinth in our field here, um, and it's based on the one at the Chartres Cathedral, the one in the Chartres Cathedral in France. And we were walking around there, and I saw this bright, bright light coming from above. It kind of looked like it was coming from the sun. But uh, it manifested into the shape of Mother Mary again, and she was walking amongst us there as, as we were going through the labyrinth. So she's here, willing to help, Focus helping with women's issues. Do you believe
1: in
0: the yeah, Bhagavad a- Gita in the, uh, before the Bible, the Bhagavad Gita, and all the Middle Eastern with yoga and since you do Reiki, you know, do you follow any of the ancient scriptures of the Bhagavad Gita?
3: Bhagavad Gita,
1: G-R-T-A. <laughs> That's a mouthful. Yeah,
3: yeah. I have a friend called Gita. Yeah. I I I don't. I'm I'm um I'm an explorer in my own way. I I I've, re, I've read books over the years on various um you know I've read some of Sitchin's books and I met him and spoke with him. Uh, at great length at a conference in, uh, at Salisbury, uh, in 1993. And, uh, oh. so no, I don't, I don't want to follow anybody. I try to get my own vision and sometimes, you know, if I see something and can't determine it, I will Google and try to find out more information about what I'm seeing. If I can't zone in on what's going on kind of thing. Yeah, that's more, you mentioned
0: dimensions, that's why as they talk about the dimensions. It's it's ancient texts, you know, that go all the way back, and a lot of people miss that in their world religions, but it's one of the big mm-hmm. ones, Bhagavad Gita, mm-hmm. and it's, mm-hmm. it's real important to people I'm in sure our business. It. But, you know, I was just wondering, because you mentioned dimensions, and they talk about the dimensions and do what's right, and there's order in the cosmos and all that. So I was just led to read that on my journey, but everybody's journey going up, you know, Ascension is about everybody comparing, you know, their theology or their scholarly ways or religions and, you know, what makes them tick and and what – what works for different, people and individuals. But, uh, you know, I've been told, you know, people called me Ishtar and Zeus' daughter and things, and I, I had that in my memory. So I was just wondering because when we start talking dimensions, a lot of times we go back to the oldest known words on the planet. And, uh, you know, back in India, that was very, very important uh, and still is, by the way. So philosophical, theological research it goes way before you know Christ existed. So, some people like to look at what we've put on the planet uh, from the beginning of time. You know, that's I think that's why the Anunnaki has gotten so popular because of the Sanskrit and uh, Akkadian, everything we've got. So, I was just wondering because when we start talking dimensions, I sort of wanted to talk about that tonight because of the Ascension Age making us aware of the tree of life and the 13 above and the nine below and that's 22 right there right and then we've got the uh the kabbalah and since you're in jerusalem i imagine you do tarot reading uh you do you by chance the the cards i do i just wonder if you use them i, I don't oh okay okay well you know everybody has different tools they use <laughs> And different world religions, but uh many of us blend them together for whatever reason. So well, when you talk dimensions then how do you uh uh do you do readings by
3: chance? I didn't even
0: ask you if you did readings. I don't
3: do I don't. My my um I'm an activator of humanity. I teach people how to get access, their own access to the oh. dimensions, for instance. Yeah. Yeah, I don't do – the only time I, I ever do kind of a little mini-reading is when I have clients, I ask them if they know their soul purpose, and if they don't, I ask them if they want me to read their soul colors, which oh. I've been doing since I, I lived in um, Dominican Republic. I was living on a that Bermuda Triangle ley line there. Yes. And I, it was very very powerful i was very very psychic there as i always am when i'm living on a portal and everyone is when they're living on portals but um so that's the only time when i when i ask people if they want to yeah if, they, if i want if they want their soul colors red their uh, the colors of their soul have meaning right
0: yeah well
2: right.
0: it depends on the people that read them but uh Nowadays, everything is readable. It just depends on who you ask, I guess, and what their skills and labors. But they say we all have the same uh, skills. But I like some of the tools. You did talk about Reiki, and my daughter calls it Rikai. She insists because she, learned, from <laughs> she learned that word from Buddhists, the Buddhist in Arizona when she went up to a monastery. Uh, they taught oh. her it was Rikai, not Reiki. And, and Rikai. Some Rikai. But yeah, it just depends on who you learned. I learned from a lady from Japan, and uh, she brought it over Janet when we were there, eighty nine to ninety four. But she she was still alive and her daughter, so it was pretty pretty cool. We learned laying on a pan, basically, and the various ways you could you know use Reiki, and then of course
2: mm-hmm.
0: uh, she used a lot of the uh, techniques from. The old school that she, I, I don't even know who she said she learned from, but and it, once it got into America and through Japan and Hawaii, and then over here it got really popular during our yeah. uh, new age group, right? Before Ascension Age, before 2012, it was really brilliant.
3: 1980. Takata, Hawaii Takata, who was third in line from Yuzui, the founder of Reiki, or modern day Reiki. Reiki just means universal energy, right? Yeah, which we're all mm-hmm. comprised of, but we can learn to channel it powerfully to, you know, transfer it to to someone else to facilitate healing. And um, so Takata came. I believe it was around seventy four, seventy five, when she came to America to the U S. and she began teaching and um, uh, also facilitating for Reiki master classes, teaching teaching teachers how to teach. And um so so yes, it's expanded from there. And um I'm seventh in line from the founder. <laughs> I not well, totally. Yeah, it meant
0: laying out of hands, alternative medicine. But uh, did you it's a
2: wonderful
0: pill. Well, Mikhail Sui was the one that a lot of the people Learned from 1865, right? But I don't know, I can't remember the lady's name. I know her face, and I've put her in some of my commercials in the past for Reiki. But I swear to God, I cannot remember the name. It went into, uh, uh there was American Academy of Neurology, I know. And this is important because so many people do believe spiritually that they heal. And I think what we do traditionally, but you know, it got to be sort of paranormal too. I believe it's still called an alternative medicine or a pseudoscience. But you know, in cancer, with my daughter having leukemia, she uh, got into Reiki and Greg Braden too mm-hmm. <laughs> about the same time. But Reiki Masters,
1: oh. and
3: do you, you say Reiki or what do you say? Some say,
1: I, I guess, say I'm Reiki. Most-
3: I've kid. never heard it. Rika, you said Rika? I've not ever heard that before. Um, I not doesn't matter. It's from <laughs> I've had Japanese uh, guests um, when I had my retreat center that stayed with me for a week and I, I asked them about Reiki. <laughs> they didn't correct me, <laughs> so, so I don't know. <laughs> always I don't know where Rika come yeah. from. Whatever. Hey, I have Just a question. It. I have a question.
1: Can I ask a question? Uh, I was looking over what you wrote, and you talked about the 13 Grandmothers of Time. Yes. Can you explain to me what that means? What, what are they? Yes. No, Tell us about that.
0: We have a certain heaven
3: dimensions. I'd love to. The, this, the 13 Spirit Grandmothers of Time are ancient adepts that um, birthed the earth at the Permian era when the continents first split apart. And I determined that to be about 300 million years ago, somewhere in that time frame. And the 13 spirit grandmothers came through to a acquaintance of mine in Quebec in 2003. And they gave her teachings. She was a First Nations woman, Ojibwe. And she wrote down a lot of information as they shared it with her about um, initiations, humans must go through to um, evolve to ascend she also talked about the 13 spirit grandmothers and what shields they carried and and how they needed to contact human women because it was time then for them to come through and they said it was very difficult for them to come into this dimension because they're twelfth dimensional beings, which, you know, I, I consider thirteenth to be God creator, great spirit level, and then fourteenth source, that's the um dimensional framework that I use. So they're they're just below creator level of their their level of a consciousness. And so I see them Not very clearly, but I see them um, kind of in a hazy light and and get a general idea of how they look. And since I was asked to carry a shield with a ceremony in 2004 to bring their teachings and to uh, bring them into the earth dimension, and we were to ground them into the earth, all the teachings. And um, since 2004, I've been connected with the spirit grandmothers, and um, they come from different stars and different planets in our solar system and some of them do not look human some, one looks kind of turtle-like and one looks kind of like a whole oh, combination of monkey kind of ape but not like that but has three digits on her hands and on her feet um, she's Arcturian for instance Uh, The Pleiadian grandmother looks very white. Um, In the moon that we're in now, this is the 13th or the last moon of the year that the grandmothers say, and um, in this moon it's the Moose Clan grandmother shield that um, is prevalent, and it's a peace shield, and she sits at the center of the circle where the staff is or the center pole of this circle of... um, the spirit grandmothers. There's also 13 spirit grandfathers of time, and they will be able to bring in their teachings when enough women take their places on planet Earth that they're meant to have. So very, very interesting to carry that shield. I was given the lizard clan shield and the lizard clan shield represents pre-consciousness which is interesting because I got that shield at the time when I was seriously researching the goddess and having experiences of that dimension. And um, also genetic memories and um, crystals and the consciousness Of crystals and so since that time I've been working more with crystals and healing and just for my own connection to my star and to other star beings and so forth and um, I really feel honored to be part of this shield carrier and of this spirit grandmother clan and um, love to teach about them and what they taught us through various sessions through Patricia Colorford is the individual who they first contacted. And um, they asked us to do ceremony each time at the new moon and that the new moon was always in the beginning of their time was only to be practiced by, by women. And uh, I know we've had a lot of um, patriarchal societies since then and I think our most recent one, probably 5,000 years ago, but um, where the patriarchy has been taking over our matrilineal sacred sites and also a lot of our ceremonies. But the spirit grandmother's, stress greatly that we gather as women on the new moon and you know get down belly to belly to mo- with Mother Earth and to bring forth the new light that comes through every new moon. We're we're the we're the birthers of the new energies that come through. So this was stressed very often in our ceremony that we did in 2004. Any questions?
1: Yeah Um Let's see Where do we want to go We have About well, a half an hour
0: left and, You know In every religion We have 13 and 9 And we use it in the Kabbalah And we use it in tarot cards And the Aztecs Janet You know the, All the Indians believed in the 13 heavens The 9 underworlds And the tree of life And all those above It was re- inverted So the 13 is a very sacred number, and then, you know, we Mm -hmm. have the various levels. So whether it was 13 heavens, 13 grandmothers of the cosmos, and uh, the original, you know, as the moon goddess was number one, 13, but, you know, it depends. So it's important to know these things because they do say that, uh, you know, we came from the stars and uh, the 13 heavens and how all the world religions are so similar uh, back in the day before we even had the Bible So, you know, people go back to the stars And then we have the uh, Council of the Thirteen uh, In the Indian, various Indians Not just Aztec mythology But uh, are you familiar with all of that? Uh, Janet with the different gods It's just different But it's th- basically Thirteen Heavens Thirteen uh nine unders 22 and how everything's constructed in 13 levels. And we have 13 dimensions, but isn't it funny? How yeah. They said numbers? we originally
1: had 13,
0: uh, uh, what do you call it? Um, levels or dimensions. Uh, the beginning.
1: God no, uh, not, uh, the, the astrology. What are they? 13, uh, signs, uh, but somehow one got lost. And that's part of the control of the sacred uh, ancient spe- teachings. But, um, Milky Way, too. Eki used to take his his son, Marduk, to the moon, and they were trying to figure out the um, astrology. So they created, they were trying to figure out the return to the so they created astrology and the the different signs of the heavens to um, kind of measure time and when it was time to trade who was going to be the king or the ruler of the earth. And so Marduk kept waiting for his turn. It's like, "When's my turn? When's my turn?" So his turn was, um, you know, always overlooked, and they kept pushing it back. And oh no, not yet, not yet. So that's what ended up, they ended up having the war between uh, Ishtar Inanna <laughs> and Marduk Ra. So Ishtar Inanna is one of the most um, important people in history. And uh, she went a little bit bonkers, but so did Mardi Gral. There was some kind of influence of this planet and all of its, um, you know, uh, influence that created some a temporary insanity. So they had this big war, which ended in Sodom and Gomorrah, and almost wiped everybody off the face of the earth, uh, Anunnaki and human alike. But it really, you know, depopulated it a humanity. war. It was nuclear, yes. Mm-hmm. It was yeah. a nuclear
3: war. I, I experienced that, a vision of that while I was meditating at the Dead Sea. Ah, that you got in touch Yeah, with that. all life there. Mhm.
1: Yep. Yeah. So, so it, God, it was they kept. Plan they with, uh,
3: ancient modern tools.
0: Yeah, and the gods and they, like they, you they said were not um, the world.
1: Uh, Ananas territory. There were a lot of things over there in India. So Ananda had was granted the Indus Valley. So she, so there's nuclear ruins there too. And then of course that's why you have all those stories in the, um, you know, of I forget the names of the gods over in India, but there, the war continued over there because for some reason, oh I know what it was. Uh, Demuzi was killed, and and Marduk was responsible for Demuzi's death. And so Inanna never forgave Marduk, and she kept trying to find Dumuzi. So every time she had a lover and it wasn't Dumuzi, they ended up waking up dead, so to speak. (laughs) She'd have a lover. You talk about the sexuality. Anyway, the big Mm -hmm. story, I won't go into that right now, but uh, she's a primary character, and she may be what's behind the Statue of Liberty, but it could be her brother Utu. She had a twin brother, Utu Shamash. Uh, So these are very important, but I was looking through the um, images of Ishtar, and it does have the crown of the Statue of Liberty. She has some depictions of that radiant crown, you know, that Statue of Liberty wears.
0: Are you familiar with that cap? The red cap?
3: I I had an amazing backpack that I could fly with. Say that again? I said I had an amazing backpack that I could fly with. When I went to back to visit Isch, Ishkagel, who had uh-huh. uh, was living in um, South Africa, she had the domain of Down Under, <laughs> the underworld, which was Africa. Yeah. And uh, right. uh, that's how I traveled in those times. It was like yeah, a... oh, so you're um, talking
1: about the historical. Yeah, there's a woman... Um,
3: who's one of, who somehow relates to the Queen,
1: she says she's a modern incarnation of a Rishkagal. I've had her on a show. Elizabeth uh, Windsor Craig. Yeah, Elizabeth Windsor Craig. She said that she's um the illegitimate uh sister of the Queen or the cousin of the Queen. Oh uh, Philip. Maybe she's a uh, Philip's daughter. I forget her story now. But anyway, she's over in northwest of uh, United States up there. So she said she's the modern incarnation of Arishka So we find a lot of people that are having memories of the gods and goddesses. Um, and so I've been looking at that phenomenon for a long time. It, well, isn't it's really time reincarnation. But
3: people have time memories. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It definitely is time.
0: Well, some people say yeah. that that was Isis or Venus or Aphrodite or Ishtar. You know, but France was the one that supposedly given us the statue, right? Is that correct? Isis, yeah,
3: and Isis is is not the same um, body as Aphrodite or Ishtar. She the she statue. is she is an emanation of Mother Mary, Isis. Right. Um, well, there's an well,
1: interpretation fine. that Isis yeah. is Mary is and Mary is Nimla. And at the, um, the the wedding in Canaan was finally she and Enki, they were forbidden to marry. They had fallen in love. They were forbidden to marry by Father Anu. And she was, uh, I have this guy, Glenn Bogue, he's doing research on that. She was blackened, which meant that she was forbidden uh, to wed ever because she had had a child out of wedlock Wedlock with um Yahweh Enlil, and she was betrothed to Enki, but then they broke her betrothal with Enki because, in order to uh, for Anu to stay close to the kingship of Nibiru, he had to marry his eldest son, Enki, off to um, Ninti, or Ninti, who was her name? Damkina, Damkina, sorry, Damkina, who was from the other. Um, she was the, the daughter of the other king, right? So that was their alliance. And that was a political wedding. So then um, mm-hmm. Emma was heartbroken, so she you ended up
2: having wedding. a child
1: with Endo. And so anyway, there's, if you look at the different symbols that they have, like uh, if you go through the Egyptian period, you look there, they have these um, things on their head. They have things on their feet, they have wings they, You know, that's what you do You should compare all this stuff And you kind of get a picture of who are these people um, Well, she was, confused because Hoga, so. <laughs> she
0: was wrapped in a She so was wrapped in a Greek toga But a lot of people in paganism say that she's the goddess of liberty And others say she's a Roman goddess you know, it it just depends on. Well, just look it up, folks. It's all out there. We got Gnostic warriors and pagan goddesses and Libertas the Roman goddess imported to America. So there's all kind of ways to think. But the the point is, you know, we have a beautiful symbol there. We're supposed to recognize freedom, right? Statue of Liberty. And, and it's but, a woman. You know,
3: and, and it's a, a woman. woman. I mean, <laughs> what, what could be better? <laughs> <laughs> so, whatever, whatever belief system.
1: You know, I don't, the point is, know that we all we have, have... Any
3: statues like that in Canada. <laughs> we need <Yeah>. some <laughs> Oh, yeah,
1: we well, have only, statues like that.
3: Yeah, well, we've gone all over
0: the place. Let's see what I said tonight. I said, who are we? And what are we going to talk about? You know, who are we and why are we here? Let's get into the, uh, we got into the, you know, a lot of the background, but let's, why are we here, folks? you know talking why are we here what are we doing here and some people think that it's just a coincidence and others believe we're reacting acting and reacting where life is a stage and we're merely the players on it and uh let's see what agnes and janet thank for sharing ascension age i i believe we came into 122112. 12, a lot of us that were metaphysicians believing that uh The world was going to be different after 12, 21, 12, and we'd all begin thinking more consciously and awake and aware that the ascension age was upon us. So something unexpected happens when we compare our lives to each other, but Agnes Mm -hmm. is known for saying, who are we, where did we come from, where are we going, and what are the possibilities? These are many insights that glean the new series of metaphysical classes for positive thinkers. With com, and she's in Canada. And Agnes, Janet asked you earlier how do you say Two Is or Toe Is or Agnes To Is Andrews? Is that your maiden name? And how do you say it properly? And we'll go on into why, who are we and where we come from and where we're we going because everybody has their own ideas. But is your name Two Is or
3: Toes? Could you say it, it for it, us? It's actually, it's actually pronounced Taves. Wow. Oh and wow. Agnes Taves Andrews and um Agnes Taves is my maiden name.
0: Okay. So Andrews
3: is your husband. My, yes. Yeah. And okay. that and that's my national best selling author name, so that's the name I use most often. And um the Taves, um it it was pronounced Taves in German and when our, our ancestors came to Canada of course they didn't have those two little dots called the umlaut which you put on top of an O which give you the Oi. So toys Oh, I see. Yeah. Uh-huh. So so it got the T O E, it got the E in there. So a lot of people pronounce it toes. So tapes the toes, whatever. I got it. Okay. And uh,
2: you've
0: got That's books cute. out there. You may want to mention your books, uh the type that you've sure. uh, written. And we'll go on to the next level of getting down deep into where we come from, where we're going, and why are we here? So, a couple (laughs) of your books,
3: if you don't mind sharing? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'd be happy to. Thank you. One of the uh, the two of the latest books that I've written are called Awake: A Spiritual Primer, and it encompasses ten years of my paranormal experiences in Canada and around the world. And uh, I write about my twin flame experience in that book. I write about a lot of the UFO um, experiences that I've had, E.T. connections in that book. Um, uh, I also talk about 13 dimensions in that book and nature spirits. I've been in contact with nature spirits for many years. I do co-creative work called conings with nature level. I do ghost Busting, I've written about that in that book, and about uh, some of my past lives and incarnations, and how I healed them through the CCMBA, which is known as the Complete Conscious Mind Body Alignment Technique. And if anyone out there listening wants to uh, release their karma and release all that stuff that from childhood. Or birth process, the CCMBA is is a very po- powerful process for doing that. Excuse me. Uh, I also have observed many crop circles during my life. The first one in 1993. I talk about that in the book Awake, and um, I talk about the photon band in the Age of Light and Ascension in that book. And most recently, I republished a book that came out in 2010, and that book is called The Goddess Lives, Poetry, Prose, and Prayers in Her Honor. And um, I'll just uh, grab a book here. I write about the ancient 13 spirit grandmothers of time in this book and about the 13 spirit grandfathers of time and their shields and what they mean. I've been in touch with the Kachina shield, and that's the 10th shield of the spirit grandfathers. I talk about British Columbia's center of the universe in this book, where I always hear singing or hear the om come beaming over the land. It's a a very special place. I write about my experiences at the December 22nd, 2012 Galactic Alignment. The alignment was actually at uh, 2.40 Eastern Standard Time on that day, and I was in meditation aware. I write about my experiences of that. And uh, I write about ancient goddess cultures and ancient Lemuria, which I've had a past collection of. I write about spiritual path practices that humans can follow and inspiration to do so. And about goddess appearances like Sophia, Isis, Mother Mary, Mary Magdalene, Gaia and Breed, which are some of them that have appeared to me. And um, talk about discoveries that I've made at sacred matrilineal sites around the world. So that is The Goddess Lives and that came out in and In 17. So those two books are my major paranormal metaphysical discovery exploration books. Are they available on Amazon? Uh, Awake is available on Amazon, but The Goddess Lives is available only through my website. Which is. I have
1: your website on isismoonpublishing.com. That's right. Is that your website? Yes. Oh okay. Yes it is cool. Uh-huh. And um okay, so if you want to get those books I won't I won't bother getting it off Amazon. They can get both those books through your website, right? That would be lovely.
3: Okay, excellent ISIS Moon Publishing.com. Right. So folks
0: Please write that down in case uh, you like what we're talking about tonight, and maybe you need some clearing. Or it's a beautiful website in Isis Moon Publishing, Agnes t- Taz Andrews.
2: Yeah. Looks like t- <laughs>
0: taves.
1: Taves. Uh, caves, like caves, I mean, caves. Agnes, caves, Taz, Taz.
0: like a taser, yeah. <laughs> Taz Andrews, metaphysical master national best-selling author. And uh, you want to talk a little bit about why you feel like uh, so many people are awakening in the Ascension Age and so many of for 30 or 40 years felt like we were called. And a lot of people may be out there that are very far advanced, more so kids are coming in with much more knowledge of the dimensions and knowing they're eternal or they're dimensionals or immortal beings now. But back in the day, we were all magical and reading that we were going to be working during this time as time travelers. So uh, many of us women now in our 60s and 70s that haven't passed are still here creating and working in the 13 dimensions and working with people that are being initiated into uh, understanding higher levels of consciousness and what to do with it now. So we're considered baby boomers and we're goddess lovers and Uh, living in the feminine array, if you will, and many of us are psychics, and talk about the age of ascension, Mm -hmm. meaning uh, how even Jesus Christ uh, ascended, if you believe in that, or how we can uh, actually transcend in various dimensions. Some of us may just fade away, and some of us may just ascend. You may just hear people that have totally left the earth. But let's let Agnes, Mm -hmm. would you like to speak to that for Few minutes, I'll mute. And the goddess lives, and but uh, creation, thirteen dimensions. We've talked a little about that. But what do you think in today's time about the ascension age? And Janet, chime in if you want to about uh, our future, where we're going with this. Are so you thinking we're going to address this all?
3: it sounds so exciting. It's, it's, it's really excites me to hear you talk about it, uh, uh, Teresa. And um, I started teaching Ascension workshops in, I think it was 2002, and I presented a workshop and a lecture at the Edgar Casey Conference that happens in Ontario at the university there every year. And what has come to me is that um, we definitely have come here to clear our karma. We've got to do that to uh, begin to work on the Ascension body. So clearing our karma is healing our healing our past stuff that we haven't healed. You know, do the forgiveness with your father who abused you or uh or your mother who um, constantly hated you, et cetera, et cetera. And um so first of all we need to, to clear our karma and And I was talking about a process, the CCMBA Complete Conscious Mind-Body Alignment Technique, which is a wonderful process to facilitate for that. And it takes about an hour and a half to do this session, and I do it in private sessions and in group sessions. And it's very, very easy to learn. We, we simply say a, a special prayer to, before we begin this, and we call in um, the archangels or angels or ascended masters are called in to help facilitate. And what they do is they put you into a position where you can release uh, your stuff. And uh, the past life stuff is recorded in the, in the spine and other stuff in our emotional body and um so yes ascension let's clear that karma and cuz you know that's why a lot of us have come back in this lifetime and myself included so having done that uh, we can work through various processes to raise our light body so that we can do that transmutation at some point in time and I, in one of my classes, I talk about the unified chakra technique. And um, do you ladies know that technique, the unified chakra technique? Are you familiar with that? I don't know that?
1: what you're referring to, but I do some chakra stuff. But tell us about your technique.
0: Yeah, everybody has a different with, with the chakras nowadays. They call the what we used to call chakra balancing. They do chakra healing with, they call it the, people come to me, kids, saying, do you know how to do the ascension chakra balance thing? I'm like, I uh, imagine it's the same thing we had 40 years before you got here on the planet, but <laughs> raising, <laughs> raising uh, your vibration through the kundalini experience up your nervous system, but, you know, as far as the energy and the colors, we still use Roy G. Bill, red, orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo, violet, but. You know, we also used to take them all the way up through the 13 dimensions. So do you do them all at once? Is that what you mean with all the colors, all the sounds and vibrations? How do you describe it, Agnes?
3: Uh, The unified chakra technique that I use, we begin with bringing this uh, huge ball of light into the center of our heart. And then we expand that upward to our throat chakra and down to the solar plexus. And we keep bringing this ball of light in until we travel through all the bodily chakras, up and down. And then we go into what is known as the waves of Metatron. And they come from the alpha chakra, which is about six to eight inches above our crown chakra and it's a little bit forward of the crown chakra and the omega chakra, which is below the root chakra and a little bit forward about six to eight inches forward. So from visualizing all this light expanding through all the bodily chakras, we go into those uh, alpha and omega visualize the, this ball of light flowing kind of like the raku or a zigzag fashion through our body's energy field to the omega chakra. And then we move on to the next one, the eighth one, the emotional body, and then the mental body, the spiritual body, and then spiritual body, which is part of our higher self. And then we go on to the um, Christ consciousness field, which is the 12th uh Dimension or or level, and then thirteenth being creator, God, Great Spirit, Intelligent Mind. We have so many names for God, and then reaching source. So we're we're building this light body through all of the levels of our body. But we start with bringing that big ball of light in through the center of our heart, and then expanding it up and down. And it's amazing what you can do when you do this regularly. And after you've done it for sometime you can just say unify chakra and and you can feel your whole light body just going into that space. Yeah, we done those on the radio okay.
0: So it is the same, uh using the heart chakra. A lot of drum below Melchizedek teaches a lot of heart healing and the golden light and coming into the heart chakra. But uh we also use the toroidal uh energy like you do in the dimensions and the Taurus. So you know, they use geometry for their surface. So some people use uh, golden light a lot, and uh, I like that. So that's a good thing. And Metatron's always been a great teacher, one of my teachers. And whenever he was around, I could smell uh, sandalwood. And I'm not the only one that says that. I've had other people tell me they can tell because we couldn't see him, but we could smell him, but and we weren't build, build, we weren't burning sandalwood. So through the years, folks, forty, fifty years, I started practicing uh, ascension and the Aquarius bookstore, I, everything I get my hands on back in nineteen eighty four, and I met Stephen Halpert. So I knew music and life's so fun years. Up.
3: Those were those funny words, years blown, <laughs> mm. healing arts and metaphysical books that were coming out. But we didn't have those the internet. It wasn't the We had to go
0: find different bookstores, folks. It was a <laughs> whole different world. It was like you're on a mission
1: from God,
0: and you're out yeah, finding when we started, books.
1: When we started, there were hardly any books on this. All we had was like <laughs> Ruth Montgomery and Edgar Casey and um, Oh, Shirley MacLaine. And Shirley MacLaine, yeah. Hill. So Blavats, you guys yeah. have it made. You have the internet, all these YouTubes and movies. Well, they can, and they <laughs> can walk into bookstores,
0: go into like the Books a Million, and find all the all the new age, metaphysical, Harry Potter stuff, all in the same area with the cards, tarot cards, and the you know just all kind of magical things that we weren't even allowed right. to think about, much less commercially. I'm just absolutely amazed at how much uh the world has changed, especially with the metaphysicians. So and I did like the fact Janet you told me she was a metaphysician and she uses that word a metaphysician
1: master. That is, Yeah, she's title. What's that? We should Say use that that again, that, our intuitive work.
0: I like metaphysician right. masters she's got Metaphys- on her yeah, she has yeah. workshops
1: and sessions.
0: So, folks, try, check out Isis Moon Publishing. Is that you up there in the black robe? There, I Agnes, <laughs> your picture. <laughs> I know it is below the blower. <laughs> Sorry. With the drum, I have. I said, I said, is that you in the black robe up there? Uh, your picture on Isis Moon Publishing, and I I can see <laughs> you with your drum. So and below
3: that. Yeah, I have a picture. <laughs> I I usually wear black robes at the new moon gatherings, but uh I'm not wearing that today. Not today. Not today. Not today. No. No. I I didn't have to dress up because we're talking on over phones. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh right. <laughs> I, like I wanted to funny. mention that
1: um uh, we have we're, we're kind of we have 7 minutes to go, but I just wanted to mention that we were talking about the um what we call the shocker healing my my husband and I we practice tantra, and we go through the chakra system and we address the psycho emotional issues at every level, like your root chakra, your sexual chakra, your you know all the different power centers, and we do we do psychotherapy on each level, and we help uh, you know people go into their, their issues on each level. You know, are they feeling insecure? Do they have issues of the heart? They're, they're not empowered. You know, whatever it is. Uh, trouble speaking up and and we go back to you know when did that begin and so we use a different system but there's all kinds of ways of healing uh visualization (laughs) psychotherapy but eventually the end result is when you clear your energies on all chakra levels you might have what's called a kundalini awakening and that's Mm -hmm. where your kundalini gets activated it goes out through your a chakras out your crowd and you reconnect to source and you remember who you are because ultimately it's simply you go up there all the, the levels the 13 levels and you get to your you go through your crazy consciousness Buddha self and all the way to your source self and you remember who you are and your mission why you came down here to agree to you know incarnate in, in physical forms and you know all these different multidimensional forms and learn what you need to learn and evolve and grow and become conscious so it's uh, wonderful that we have these tools at our hand. Okay, um, well, they, go ahead back they call to it,
0: you. Yeah, they they call it a unified, but you know it just depends on what class. Are uh, it's very big in the new age, it's the the, a, the golden age, I guess. But the unified chakra balancing, there's all kind of websites. Various people claim they started it and put a new spin on it, Janet. But it's basically learning how to move its energy. Moving energy, it's like Reiki, Absolutely. but it's important mm-hmm. to teach people that they are energy and how to use it, and it's a great healing tool, folks, so if you're not familiar with it, whether you use unified or golden light or the toroidal or energy or numbers or the chakra balancing, but we've always used the colors of the rainbow and uh, some plus. Gold, silver, white, gray, blah, blah, blah But it just depends And the main thing is if you're not familiar with it Find you a good teacher Because uh, it's sort of uh, I guess to me it's sort of important Because it opened up my world Into colors and light Chakra balancing prisms, crystals the torus and geometry And then sacred geometry So you'd be surprised One thing leads to another And I'd like to have you back sometime uh hopefully in the year and catch us up on you know your classes and workshops and all of that uh, Agnes uh, since you're definitely a practitioner it's it's one to find study you know people that study and research but it's another to have practitioners that can uh come and and talk to us about what they're physically doing now in the now right Agnes you know what I'm talking about
3: mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely, and you know, I I I speak from experience, and I think that's important to find a practitioner who's experienced a lot of what she's teaching.
0: Yes. Well, because it's worked, and it made you a better person.
3: So yes, absolutely, you know, I've I've gone out to source actually through a um, cranial sacral session. But this was very recently. And um, so, you know, these kinds of experiences are ones that I have been through. So when I teach about the chakra system or teach about ascension or teach about the 13 dimensions, I can explain how it felt to me and what I saw. So that helps a lot in the classes, speaking from personal experience, I find I love to do it. It's my passion to turn people on to, you know, the unseen dimensions and the metaphysical, which is, you know, beyond the body, and uh, and the body too. You know, we have to remember to honor our bodies, and you know dig into those superfoods and so forth, and, uh, um, you know, there's a brain tonic recipe, for instance, I give out in one of the classes, and it's amazing, when I first started taking it about, oh, was that 20 years ago now, I started remembering things from when I was very young, like the age of one, two, and, and it uh, what it does is reconnects the, um, the nerve endings, the synopsis to the brain, this particular formula, and So that we can continue to live healthy youthfully in these bodies until we ascend. And I think that's something that I, I stress a lot in my classes as well. Well, uh, Janet, we'll
0: have to have her back sometime and just, we'd like to make a list of practitioners in our ACO association, Janet. So, uh, we have the Ascension center, Janet and I, and, uh, Everybody is the center of their ascension. So (laughs) ascension center we are. (laughs) So, Agnes, thank you for coming. And uh, we'll have to have you back sometime on Ascension Age and Ascension Center and how we use our spiritual pathways as women talking together and how we can all get along a little bit better knowing what field represents to all of us. And uh, I guess any last words? We've got 30 seconds.
3: I just encourage everyone to be their soul purpose. And if you don't know your soul purpose, call me. I can help you with that. But it's so important in this day and age to be who we are and just forget about what everybody or anybody else says, but be your soul purpose because when we are, we create this bright spark wherever we are that helps to expand the consciousness on this planet. And we're we're all connected to Sorry, Uh-oh. I knocked my, I knocked my oh, phone okay. off. Oh, okay. Oh. <laughs> I was like,
2: whoops. I haven't just sent <laughs> My phone did. <laughs> but um, where That's was funny. I going? Anyway, just... <laughs>
0: everybody to, in, work on it right?
3: yeah everybody to, we're all ascending so that's where we're going yeah, we're ascending. we, we want to be part we're part of that group consciousness and when we raise that group consciousness we have the opportunity as a planet and as a human uh life stream to to ascend so so you know we're all ascending together i'm not going before you go so don't let all no, right. put some effort into that you know we're going together
1: with all the right, so, that sounds good uh, I have I'll to run, I'm it. sorry Somebody's okay. at my door uh, to blessings and aloha
0: Bye bye right. so, <laughs> We appreciate it Alright so uh, folks we're all ascension beings, And we all came from somewhere And we're going somewhere so we're all going Isn't that exciting So the possibilities are just whatever you make them So be sure to achieve And believe And we can achieve what we believe. And Agnes is a believer and an achiever, and she's helping those as a practitioner. So look her up, Agnes Andrews, at isismoonpublishing.com. And uh, thank you so much, Agnes. Uh, Hope to have you back soon, and we'll put you out there on our Ascension Age websites. Okay, it'll be ascensionage.com, and I've got ascensionpsychic.com, and then we've got... uh, ACO Association for Ascension Center Organization and Alien contact Org. And so we'll put you several places with your link and make sure people can contact you. So be sure and buy your books. Thank, new you. Books. thank, you. thank you. And,
3: and the thank universe, universe you so and the goddess, much.
0: thank you, too. Thank you. Thank you. And I like to say namaste. So thank you thank so you. much. All right. Good night. Thank you so much. I hope to have you back. Good night. Thank you. Good night.